the book of Amos. That's where we've been in our summer series. I want to express gratitude to both Mark Witt and Parker Bradley for preaching for me the last couple of weeks, and I hope it was a joy and a treat for you guys as well to be able to have them uh, here. Uh, as we start, and we're just going to dive right on in because there's still some more testimony to share, but I do want to see, just for fun, there's some commercial jingles that I want to see if you can kind of like complete them or if you can name the company. But if I were to go, like a good neighbor. Okay, you did pretty good. It was a little off key, but whatever. Um, what about this slogan? Just do it. What company is that? Just do it. All right, very good. Uh, what about, I, I thought about giving you the words, but I'm just going to do the little uh, the little, little song. Um, <laughs> Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. No, this is some of you. What company is that? Okay, I, apparently only I would go to McDonald's. Um, and then here's, a, here's one that, that dates back a little bit. You might maybe be familiar with it, but it's, I'm trying to make these a little bit harder. Uh, what company had the slogan, Breakfast of Champions? Wheaties, very good. Here's a, here's a tougher one. I had to study this in journalism uh, class in college. Uh, this was a phrase for a particular company. It was, where's the beef? Not Arby's. Oh, oh, oh they tricked you. This is back in the 80s. Where's the beef? Wendy's, there you go, there you go. This is early 80s. Um, and then here's another one that, I don't know if this is a popular one or not, but I remember growing up watching this commercial and I thought it was funny. There was a guy who was up really late and he made the comment, I can't believe I ate the whole thing. Does anybody remember that commercial and what that was for? What? What? It's close, Alka-Seltzer. I love that commercial. He ate like the whole sandwich. He's like, I can't believe I ate the whole thing. Um, what about this one? Early 2000s, Can You Hear Me Now? There you go, Verizon. And that, that campaign seemed to just take off to where eventually Sprint uh, kidnapped the guy and used him for their commercials here recently. And so one of the things with Can You Hear Me Now, Verizon Wireless, is I especially remember when cell phones were first becoming a thing, and it's gotten a lot better, but it's still annoying at times, where I can drive through certain parts on Cason Lane when I'm going to the neighborhood Walmart, that if I'm on the phone with my mom or my dad, I know it's going to drop at a specific spot. The signal is not going to be clear. When I was in the DR, there were certain moments where, for whatever reason, this blessed thing would not allow me to really text my wife or get on the internet, so data plan, texting, kind of a waste of time, but I can make a phone call from time to time to be able to connect with Tiffany, but I needed that signal. And there were times when I would call and I would get this automated message that would say, all towers are unavailable. And I was like, you're wasting my time. The signal was not clear. And what we're going to see here this morning is that if you haven't been with us, the book of Amos is a great book, but it is kind of a hard book to go through. But it's also been intentional for us to go through this this summer because I believe it's a great warning for us as the people of God, which is exactly who Amos is talking to, that we would heed the words of God and that we'd be obedient to what he has to say. Yes, judgment is impending. And in about 40 years, the kingdom of Assyria is going to take out the northern kingdom of Israel what God said is going to happen will happen because of their sinfulness and their rebellion and disobedience to God. But even though God is just and wants that sin dealt with, and if it's not, there's consequences because there's always consequences to sin. He's also a God that's not only just, but he is just as much loving and merciful. And right in the middle of the heartbeat of this message is, oh, but seek me that you may live. Seek me like repent, like if you would do that, then the judgment will tarry, like it won't come, like repent that you might live. 
but instead they're not heeding the words of God. An example of that is, you guys know the story of Noah and the Old Testament. I always think it's cute and adorable whenever people decorate like their nursery with like Noah and the Ark, and I'm like, you know, that story's about to get real dark real quick. Um, and with Noah, actually God gave Noah a word to the people that were alive at that time, that rain was on its way. In fact, Noah had a ministry of 120 years, and the only people that really bought into his message that the Lord had given him was his family members, and that was it. Everyone else disregarded, disobeyed, and just said, I don't, I don't want to hear it. The Word of God being presented, but people weren't listening to it. And so a phrase, if you will, this morning is, I would say, the time is ticking. Can you hear Him now? Can you hear Him now? Are you hearing the voice of God in your life? When you read the Word, is God revealing Himself to you, speaking to you, or are we just going through the motions, or like the northern kingdom of Israel of like, well, I'm, I'm part of the church, I grew up in a Christian home, so I'm, I've done all that I need, I got all that I have, I'm just going to coast by the fact that I have my fire insurance, and yet God speaks, and we don't hear Him. It's a terrifying thing to think of. And so, this morning, I want to pray for us, and as I do, I would like for you to keep one particular team member of ours in, in your prayer. Her name is Amanda Elkins. Uh, she goes to Crossway, and she's come back, and since this time, uh, she's had uh, a lot of a high fever, and uh, we were in our prayer time this morning, and so that way I don't butcher it because I'm horrible with medical stuff. We just, I just told her, we're praying for you right now, Amanda. And she says, thank you. I am doing better. No fever in the last 36 hours, but fatigue and achy. But they're waiting on labs to rule out malaria and dengue. Is that how you say it? Dengue fever. Um, and she's praying for us as we share this morning. So I'm just asking, her name is Amanda Elkins. If you would pray for her, I know she would appreciate it. Um, and just kind of keep her in your prayers. But I'm going to pray for us at this point. You pray for her. You can eavesdrop on my prayer if you want to, but let's go to the Lord. Father, thank you so much that we have an opportunity to come to hear from your word. We do ask in Jesus' name that you would watch over Amanda. Father, we ask for healing in her life. And Father, we know that there are others in the life of our own church with, 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 with Barb that we would just ask you to continue to watch over her and continue to allow her to heal and recover, Lord. Uh, be with Mike as he ministers and loves on his wife. Um, and Father, as we turn our attention to your word, May, may we hear you. And if you would, where you're sitting right now, would you just cry out to God and say, God, let me hear you this morning. If you would, would you pray for me that I would be able to articulate clearly what God has to say from his word so that we would hear what he has to say. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, if you have your Bible, hopefully you're in Amos chapter 8. That's where we are. And the first thing I want us to kind of just think of when we read this passage and as we dive into it, and I know I talk quickly, but this morning might even be quicker. So strap in, hang on tight. Here we go. All right. The first thing is fruit. I want you to think of fruit because that's what he's about to talk about. And what we're about to see is this first point is that God's people, it's kind of nerve wracking, but God's people are ripe for judgment. God's people are ripe for judgment. Look at what it says in verse, chapter 8, verse 1. It says, Thus the Lord God showed me. This is a vision. He's already received like three others in chapter 7. This is the fourth vision that God has shown Amos. And behold, there was a basket of summer fruit. He said, What do you see, Amos? And I said, A basket of summer fruit. Then the Lord said to me, 
The end has come for my people Israel. I will spare them no longer. The songs of the palace will turn to wailing. And in that day, declares the Lord, many will be corpses. In every place, they will cast them forth in silence. And if you're showing up today and you haven't been with us in Amos, you're like, this is the most depressing thing I could ever read. But we have to deal with the seriousness of sin. I think we gloss over it far too much. I think we don't make much of sin, and yet God makes much of sin. And what God makes much of, I would hope that we would make much of. And so I brought, as you guys know, my favorite fruit, watermelon. Um, And so that's just going to be sticky the rest of the service. Uh, I'm going to put it right there. Okay, so... um, So this this is the idea, because again, we're not going to linger on this point, but this is a plate of delicious watermelon bought just down the street from Kroger this morning. Still a little bit chilled, a little bit delicious. Don't put salt on your watermelon. That's gross. I don't know what's wrong with you people. Uh, God made it perfectly fine. He doesn't need an, it doesn't need an addition. Uh, So this fruit, this fruit is ripe and ready to be devoured. And just as this fruit is ripe and ready to be devoured, uh, so too are the people of God. They are ripe and ready to be devoured by God's judgment. A little ASMR right through the microphone. Some of you don't know what that is. That's okay. Um, It's delicious. It's ripe. It's ready for devour. God's people in the northern kingdom of Israel, sometimes we have a hard, hard, hard time with the idea of God's judgment. Isn't God good and loving and kind? You bet he is. But he is long-suffering, not forever suffering. He is patient beyond patient. But there are consequences to sin. And because we got to go, let's look at the next section. What we see in the next few verses is a failure to repent. A failure to repent of injustice, that's the first key thing, and insincere worship. Like that's the big thing that's been going on throughout all the book of Amos is God sees and throughout all the chapters leading up to chapter eight has basically been God's case against the northern kingdom of Israel saying, you are guilty. Like you have no excuse. Like there is no defense for what you are doing. It's indefensible the way that you treat people. And he gives another example. Look at verse four. He says, hear this and listen to how he talks. You who trample the needy to do away with the humble of the land saying, when will the new moon be over so that we may sell grain? He's basically saying is, you're oppressing the poor. You're oppressing the least of these, which is so much of the moniker of of what revision is all about, Doug's ministry, that we would minister to the least of these, that we would live out Matthew chapter 25, that we would see the person who's hungry or thirsty or without clothes or in jail, and we would minister to the least of these, that they're not beneath us, that there are ones that deserve value and integrity and, and worth and that they're precious beings who've been created in the Imago Deo, that they are in Christ, that we would love them and we would demonstrate that kindness to them. But the northern kingdom of Israel is just consumed with getting more. There's a phrase that I heard years ago at a church that I was at and it stuck with me ever since, is the flesh always wants more. It always wants more. It's never enough. I need to work more hours. I need to get more in my bank account. I got to get that better promotion. I need to have on and on it goes. It's just something within us as human beings that we have to kind of fight against and wrestle against of do you need more or do you find that he's more than enough for me? That Christ is more than enough for me. So 
What we see is he go on to verse 5, he says, when, the new moon, uh, when will the new moon be over so that we may sell grain and the Sabbath, that we may open the wheat market to make the bushel smaller and the shekel bigger and to cheat with dishonest scales? Essentially, in a nutshell, they have greed over God. They have greed over God and people. They literally would skimp the amount that would be bought at, let's say, the grocery store, and they would then boost the price. They would say, instead of getting this amount of barley, and we're going to charge you $5 for that. We're going to give you this amount of barley, and we're going to charge you $10 for that. And we're going to use dishonest scales. We're going to upcharge everything, and there's not anything that you can do about it. The example I have of that is I don't drink as much pop as I used to, and that's its name, pop. And uh, I, I remember having one of those just regular kind of 12-ounce cans, and it was delicious, but I have a hard time drinking a whole 12-ounce can because it's just, it's, it's, it's a lot, it's a lot of sugar. And so I wanted to go get some of those smaller cans that I could drink, and I realized when I went to the store, I was like, you're going to pay me how much for this small, tiny can when I get a two-liter for the same price? Like, this is ridiculous. Like, why are you upcharging something when I want to be healthier? It just drives me crazy. That's just a little thing on my soapbox. But what we find is in verse 6, their injustice has gotten so out of hand that now their conscience is seared. Look at what it says in verse 6. So as to buy the helpless for money and the needy for a pair of sandals and that we may sell the refuse or the chaff of the wheat. They're so seared in their conscience and they're so blind to their greed that that's all they care about is that they're selling and trading people for profit. Slavery and human trafficking are at the forefront of the people of God. I know we might read this and we might say, well, I'm not, I'm not selling and trading people. I'm not consumed with greed. But I would just say for a moment this morning, take a step back and just go, okay, how, how am I doing when it comes to the things that I'm consumed with? And with any of that, when you look at your, your time and your pocketbook and your relationships and so on and so forth, is God a part of any of that? Or is it these other things seem to take this priority? In verses 7 through 10, we get the results. God says, this is what you've been doing, insincere justice, insincere worship. Verse 7, the Lord has sworn by the pride of Jacob. Indeed, I will never forget any of their deeds. Because of this, I will uh, because of this, will not the land quake and everyone who dwells in it mourn? Indeed, all of it will rise up like, like the Nile and it will be tossed about and subside like the Nile of Egypt. I will, it will come about in that day, declares the Lord God, that I will make the sun go down at noon and make the earth dark in broad daylight. And then, here's their, here's their insincere worship. Then I will turn your festivals, your parties, your holiday, your sacred holidays into mourning. Your songs of worship are going to be lamentations. I will bring sackcloth on everyone's loins and baldness on every head, and I will make it like a time of mourning for an only son, and the end of it will be like a bitter day. He says, instead of a worship service to where we lift up God on high for a holy day or a festival, you're not going to go to a worship service. You're going to go to a funeral service and you're going to be attending your own funeral service. That's what you're going to experience. It's going to be a time of mourning. And then I wrote this down because I realized, especially in light of what we're discussing today, of bragging on God, what God has done in the DR, and you're like, why are we looking at Amos chapter 8? This is intense. This is harsh. Pastor, give me something cheery and make me feel good. Just listen to me for a second. Have you ever seen someone who has truly been oppressed by someone else? 
It might even be on, on, on the scale of seeing someone being bullied when you were in school or someone being mistreated at your job. Or it might be the more extreme where we might see something on television of individuals or countries being oppressed by some kind of military regime or government, whatever it may be, when we see that, when someone is taken advantage of or abused and used, when we hear stories maybe of young women who are being trafficked at the age of nine and 10, that when I even say those words, something starts bubbling up within me of like, that is wrong. And I want there to be justice. You have that because God has given you that. An innate desire for justice. Watch the film. Look at the films that you enjoy watching. When the villain gets destroyed, when that nasty, wicked witch of the East or West, I don't remember which one, but she was nasty. She's green and nasty. When she finally got that water poured on her, I didn't feel sorry for her. She said, I'm melting, I'm melting. I was like, get her, Dorothy, get her. Like, get her. Whenever, whenever uh, uh, Darth Vader threw the Emperor, spoiler alert, down the, 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 the shaft, for lack of a better term, yes, justice against the evil is being perpetrated throughout the galaxy. It's finally come to an end because we desire justice. We just don't want justice on me. We want to look at the others and go, he's really bad. She's nasty. But this is one of those moments, instead of pointing the finger out there, which it's not to say that you can't identify what things are doing and seeing injustice, but as I heard years ago, you're pointing one finger out there, you got three more coming right back at you. Examine yourself. Not to force yourself. I've been in those Sunday school classes where people start sharing. It's almost like we're trying to compare how bad my life is compared to someone else. That's not what we're doing here. It's not a competition. It's before God going, God, is there any way that I that I am living in a fashion to where I'm oppressing someone, maybe not in the sense of I'm taking their food from them or trying to sell them, but am I oppressing someone? And the part of why this is hard, and this just hit me the other day, I was talking with Tiffany at the breakfast table yesterday morning, part of why I think a passage like this is hard where we hear of the justice of God is because we're a country that is free of consequences. We don't see a lot of consequences anymore. I don't want to get into anything political because that's not what this is intended for, but we have an individual who's in a different country right now who's gotten in trouble for possessing something that they weren't supposed to possess in that other country, and now they're in prison. And yes, it's harsh and it's hard, and we want to see an American be able to come back home, but it's so foreign to us that there was a consequence for doing something that was against the law. It makes us uncomfortable to see the consequence. But friends, there's always consequence with sin. We don't, we don't want to trifle with that. And one of the ultimate consequences is number three, a failed signal. A failed signal. Look at verses 11 to 14. It says, Behold, days are coming, declares the Lord God, when I will send a famine on the land, not a famine for bread or a thirst for water, but here's the key theme of today, but rather for the hearing of the words of the Lord People will stagger from sea to sea and from north even to the east, and they will go to and fro to seek the word of the Lord, but they will not find it. In that day, the beautiful virgins and the young men will faint from thirst. As for those who swear by the guilt of Samaria, who say, as your God lives, O Dan, and as by the way of Beersheba lives, they will fall and not rise again. There will be a famine for the word of God. In my opinion, 
save revival and the grace and mercy of God, I feel that we're in these early stages of a famine of the Word of God. Biblical illiteracy is just... Desire to hear the Word of God in a setting like this is... I want you to imagine with your phone, uh, sometimes I'll say, hey Siri, and uh, yeah, she's still stupid. Uh, And so sometimes I'll say, hey Siri, and she just did that. I I thought she would actually work this time. She doesn't even come up. She can't hear me, apparently. I'm crying out and saying, hey, Siri, I need help with something. Hey, Siri, I want to I be able to have you research something for me. Tell me the score of that game so I don't have to take the time to use my thumbs and find it. And so uh, that can be frustrating when you're asking for something and you don't get that response. You want to hear what this has to say. Or I want you to imagine there have been moments where I have misplaced or lost this phone. And I do that thing where I'm like... Where's my phone? Like, where is it? I've lost it. I've misplaced it. I need this thing. And here's the thing. I'm not here to, to, to be harsh about having a phone. I'm, I'm, I'm grateful for this device to be able to use it and have access to the internet, to be able to check my email, to do a lot of different things. But, but we get nervous and we get anxious. Why? Because this, this cost me something to be able to purchase, to be able to use this thing. I rely upon it. And so as anxious as I get for that, How is it that we can go, at times, not all the time, but at times, we can go from Sunday, I got the word, I'm opening, I'm reading it, and then I did this before, like, I would leave, and my dad, he's a pastor, he would preach on Sunday, I was like, good word, dad, that's great. I would get in my car, fold this thing up, put it there in the door, and I was like, I know where you'll be next Sunday, so I can come in with my Bible. And it's a thing of, we have access to the word of God, and how rarely we dive into it. Yes, there were centuries where people could not have a copy of Scripture, let alone if they did, to be able to read it. So you can have a relationship without having a copy of the Word of God. But if God has given us a copy of His Word, would we not want to capitalize upon that and read it? And this is the scary thing. This is the scary thing that the northern kingdom of Israel did that I don't want us to be guilty of. Is we go, I've read it. I've learned all that I need to know. I got it figured out. I got the main points figured out. Jesus, baby manger, lived a life, kind of a hippie, loved people, did some miracles, did his thing, wanted to sacrifice because he loves me, because it's all about me, and he went to the cross, he died, he rose again, and one day he's going to take me to heaven. Yeah, but there's, there's so much more than just God coming into your life and justifying you and making you righteous. It's that he wants to now sanctify you and have you work out your salvation, that you could live with him on a day-to-day basis in a relationship with him and to say, if I think that I can fathom the mysteries and the grandeur of God because I prayed a prayer and I have a relationship with him and that's where I wanted to stop, how much more of the grandeur am I missing? Just this past couple of weeks ago, we went on this hike we could have started at the beginning of that hike on that Wednesday morning uh, afternoon, and we could have gotten to the beginning and go, this is beautiful. That's it. I've seen enough. And we get back on the bus. Or someone leads us and guides us into that place, and then all of a sudden we're, we're hiking over things, and we're almost twisting our ankles, and we're climbing up ropes and old ladders and who knows what else. And then we get to this glorious, glorious thing of where, like, how did that boulder fall down, and how did it stay there? And look at that waterfall, and it's almost suffocatingly loud, and I almost can't breathe. Like, if I hadn't come all the way to here, I wouldn't have seen it, wouldn't have experienced it. And some of you, you're at the beginning of the trailhead of your relationship with Christ, and you think, 
I'm okay. I, I, I'm in a relationship. I'm going to go to heaven. And you miss the journey and the joy of the life of serving the Lord and advancing his kingdom. If you just sit on the sidelines, you're going to be bored and you're going you're, you're to be bored and you're going to be disenchanted with Christianity and the church. And that leads me to my testimony. I'm going to go quick, Faye, because you're up almost. All right. So my key word was camelback. Uh, that's what this is. It's a camelback. I wore this thing all the time. And because I have a kidney disease, I need to drink a lot of water. And so what I would do is each morning, I would fill up this camelback. It's got a little uh, pouch of water that you put in there right there, okay? Uh, Tiffany got it for me. Thank you, sweetheart. You're so kind. And so I would have this and a Nalgene bottle. And I would have this filled up and my Nalgene bottle ready to go. And I knew that if I had this, I could drink this throughout the day, then fill this up with an Nalgene bottle. I had what I needed for the day. I had what I needed for the day. And what I found was each day, it was kind of uncanny, by the end of the night, before I would fill up again to go to bed and that kind of thing, I had just what I needed, just enough to get through that day. In your relationship with the Lord, you have more than enough in Christ, but there is something incredibly healthy about going to Him each day and allowing him to fill you up just with what you need for that day. We worry about tomorrow. We all do at times. But he will provide you with mercies new every day. Lamentations, what, three? Don't look it up yet. I might be wrong. But he's good and smart to give us exactly what we need for that day. And that camelback was exactly what I needed. God provided me strength and energy to be able to have that water. He gave me strength and energy from our Tennessee team, our local team of revision and the fourth refugio. And he also gave me what I needed from you guys of your prayers for us each and every day. He filled me up physically, not just with that water, but can we show that first picture, Dalton? This was that hike I was telling you about. Here's the waterfall, and you can't see the big boulder that is up there, but it's, it's hinged in. And for most people, it'd be like, why would you want to go a hike on a hike on your day of rest? Because this fills me up with life when I can go on adventure and see things I couldn't see otherwise. It was, it was, it was so much fun. It filled me up physically. Um, let's look at this next picture. Uh, he filled me up emotionally. This right here we may be built up to about that high last year, and now, one year later, it's done for the most part. There's still some holes in the ceiling, and they got to patch those. But they put a roof in. They put a floor in. Last year, at this time, we built up to about that height. It was still dirt and a big tree right in the middle of all of this. In a year's time, and also, your gifts last December when we bought those ornaments that Phyllis made, and they're so cute and adorable, and you put them on your tree, and you prayed for the DR, it also helped that money to be able to provide a school for these children, so that way there's no longer like 30-some-odd kids, there's 60-some-odd kids within that community to be able to go to a school, to be able to learn. What we do matters. But it's not just that we stop there. Show the next one. I filled up my heart to be able to see these guys and others working with uh, our Dominican friends and being able to build up an extension just right next door to where that was built, to where we're going to have more room and more space in order for that to happen. Like the work continues because there's a community that still needs to be ministered to and for us to partner with, and we have the ability to be able to be a part of that and to join them in that work. Uh, let's go to the next one. So this image right here was my favorite image of the whole trip. I was doing the, the dental unit, as Brian was saying, 
And the first day, I did really good. I'm not good with the blood. Uh, first day, I was doing really good. All we are doing was cleanings. And uh, this, this lady, she could hardly walk. And the step from getting outside into the church of the Fourth Refugio, that facility, was probably about that high. And what we asked people to do was, could you go down the side of the building, kind of a, uh, an interesting stair path, and when you got down there, you would register, and then eventually they'd call you back up because they wanted to have some order to things. And she came in, she barely made her way into the, to the Fourth Refugio, into that facility, and she visited with one of our key leaders that lives in uh, the DR named Melanie. And I saw Melanie and her have a hug. They talked a little bit. And then later on, Melanie came over to me and she said something. I said, well, who was that lady that you were talking to? I saw her come in. I said, she's just smiling. She looks so great. She said, I've never seen her before. But she came in. She gave me a hug and she began to say, just, I pray for you. Thank you for coming to our community. Thank you for loving on us. Just thank you for being a part of being here. We appreciate it because specialty medicine like dental and vision, they're just not able to get as easy as anything else. And so uh, she says to Melanie, I pray for you and I want to pray for you now. And Melanie was thinking, oh, you might pray over me now. And what she did is she went to the altar of the fourth refugio and she got on her knees when she couldn't even barely make it up the steps, let alone walk down the stairway she got on her knees, and she prayed on her knees for about 15 minutes, just praying for our team. And Melanie was telling me that, and then just a little bit later, she came to my chair uh, with my, my dentist guy, and she was talking, and she took out some dentures on the top bottom and the top. I think I did that backwards, but whatever. And she just had a few teeth left, and she's like, she wanted to get them cleaned. And... Uh, I hate the dentist. And I was just sitting there looking at her, and I was like, she's so grateful to go to the dentist. And she's barely getting these clean, and she only has a few left. And she either had to go get an extraction or a cavity filled at the other stations because all of them, I didn't see one that just got a cleaning. All of them had a cavity in her extraction. But when she got finished, and she still didn't have her teeth back in her mouth, and she was just talking to me, and I have no idea what she's saying, but the dentist was translating a little bit, and he goes, she just wants you to know that she loves you and that she's praying for you. And I was just like, mm, that's great. Thank you. Can you go now? Um, I, it was so overwhelming just to see the gratitude and the kindness and just the joy of her salvation and to be able to see that and to be able to be a part of that. And then, yes, the next day I couldn't do but five extractions, and I tapped Brian to, uh, to take over. I couldn't do it anymore. Do I have any more, Dalton? I don't remember. Oh, and then this was that, that, if you will, that generation, the older generation, and then just seeing the next generation. I just I thought it was just this beautiful thing as we were about to have just a bunch of kids just running around doing their thing. And before we started, he just got up there and he prayed. I have no idea what he said, but it was just beautiful to be able to see and so I share that with you in light of what we see here in the book of Amos, because my, my prayer is that we would come each day, but also each week as a corporate church family of saying, I need, I need to be filled in so that I can pour out. Like I, I needed every bit of energy and bit of sleep the night before so I could be filled up with energy to pour it out the next day. And this is the thing, it doesn't have to remain in the DR, it's also with here, and it's not because... 
Pastor Stephen is like, get in a small group. I don't want to do small groups just because of small groups. I want to do small groups because it's community, so you're getting filled up by brothers and sisters in Christ, and then you're going out and pouring yourself out into a street that you've adopted to be able to love them for Christ and to help meet their needs. And what we have to be careful with is that, just like the northern kingdom of Israel, is that we don't fall asleep at the wheel and become distant from the words of God and the people of God and the bride of Christ and God himself. And when we because when we do that and we think, I've got it figured out, I've got all that I need, I don't really need anything else, then I, my fear is that we're going to be in a moment as an individual in our, in our country as we tend to drift further and we're going to cry out to God. And, and I think the question is going to be like, God, can you hear me now? Can you, can you even hear me? May that never be for us. May we follow the words of Amos and say, oh God, we want to seek you and live and be a people of your word. Study it, but man, obey it and live it out. Uh, Lauren, Missy, if you guys want, come on up. As, as, we, as we close I believe one of the ways in which we become distant from hearing the Lord of where there's going to be a famine that we don't want that to happen is I I think we identify things in our life that the love or the loss of love and compassion in Jesus uh, can be a result of isolating ourselves from the presence and the counsel of the Lord and his people. And so... My, my prayer and my desire is that we would recognize, even right now, maybe some sin in your life, maybe if you're distancing yourself in any form or fashion from the things of God, that you would learn from the example in Amos. And even right now, you'd cry out to him and say, oh God, I want to hear you. And by that, I, I need to confess to you. I need to recognize and identify where, I, where I'm drifting because I want to hear you. I want to know that you're near. So I'm going to pray for us. And then what we have to kind of conclude our time is one, is we're going to sing a a hymn, Come Thou Fount of Every Blessing. And I chose this one or asked the ladies if they would sing this one because we tried to sing this and we kind of did on our first family night. And uh, we didn't seem to know the words as well as we thought we did. Um, And so uh, I love this hymn and I wanted just to close out with it. But As they sing, maybe the best thing for you is just to take some time and say, Lord, I want to hear you. I want to hear you. What's in my life that I need to lay at your feet that I might hear you clearly? Because, man, sin, it clogs the line. Let's pray. Father, I thank you so much for this church family. I thank you for your word. May we heed the word and obey what we've seen here today. May we be a people who aren't just busy, people who aren't just looking to feed and to water just because, but we want to feed and water and love and serve and uh, be a voice and a champion for those who are uh, helpless and in need, Lord. Uh, But Father, that we do it with with grace and kindness and charity and And Lord, that we would not be found guilty of injustice or insincere worship in our lives or in our life as a church. 
I pray now that as we sing this song, that it would be worship to you, that it would be a pleasing aroma to you. But Father, that also we would take the time in our prayers to come to you, to speak to you, to respond to what you've said to us today, and that that too would be pleasing to you this morning. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. If you guys would, would you stand? Would you sing with these? Take the time that you need to respond. If you want to pray with somebody, we'd love to pray with you. Be right there.